0: You're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at Newstalk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more Living with Jim Brogan starts now.
1: Good Saturday, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and you know, after months of staying close to home, many of you I know are ready to pack your bags and head out on a vacation, maybe a dream vacation or even travel internationally. Packing up the car and heading to the closest beach is on my list for the summer, and really the idea of going anywhere besides our living room is pretty appealing, and Deedee and I, my wife, we love to travel. I will admit, I've really enjoyed being home more and slowing down during the pandemic, but man, I'm itching to get out and and, and do some fun stuff. What about locations that require a plane flight or a passport? Do your bucket list or or retirement dreams include travel abroad? And what is on your travel bucket list? Today I'm excited to be joined by author and international traveler Jim Santos. Jim has spent the past decade as a part-time traveler and blogger as he visited international locations and he even lived abroad for a t- period of time. So I'm excited about, hear, about uh, hearing his journeys and learning how, to pl- how you can plan your next bucket list vacation. So good morning, Jim. Welcome to More Living. It's great to have you with us.
2: Well, good morning, Jim. Thank you for having me.
1: Yes, sir, absolutely. I love to travel, and I've done, actually, a decent amount of international travel. Uh, Have you always been someone who traveled from a young age, or or did something inspire you once you became an adult?
2: Yeah, not really from a young age. Uh, I was from a, a large family, so any kind of travel we did was everybody piled into the car and drove to another relative's. You know, so it wasn't very exciting travel options. Uh, But um, as an adult, I got very interested in other locations and and traveling overseas. Uh, And it's just kind of grown from there. Uh, Once my wife and I made the decision to try living overseas, of course, uh, things really accelerated.
1: Yeah, and I want to ask you questions about that. I have to, I have to mention to you, uh, when you mentioned about being in a large family, so I grew up as the, as the baby of four children. So there mm-hmm. were six of us. And I'll never forget, we didn't, we didn't go on many vacations, but we would go to Pensacola Beach because <laughs> my father's brother lived down there. And mm-hmm. we would go every few years. And we would pile into my parents' old station wagon And it's funny to think about today that the four kids we would actually lay in the back of the station wagon and sleep on the way down and the way coming back. And it's so scary to think about that when you look at you know seat. I mean, we didn't have seatbelts on. We were just laying in the back. You know, kids used to travel in the back of their trucks all the time. But we always loved going. Either. Well, that's right. (laughs) But we loved to. We'd love to go to the uh, Gulf to the Gulf Coast. I, I, mm-hmm. l- l- since we're on that, I was going to ask you about that later. you know the Emerald Coast along there on the Panhandle, which I guess goes from Panama City over to parts in Alabama mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really know about the Gulf Coast and how beautiful that water is and I remember the first time I went there I was just shocked at how white the sand is and how clear the water is. Um, I think that's really a hidden gem for a lot of people that live in the United States. Do you agree?
2: Well, actually, that's an area that I haven't spent a lot of time in. Uh, I did make a trip to Fort Myers uh, once as a teenager, Uh, but we actually do plan in October on going somewhere in the uh, Panama City Beach area, either there or Uh, uh, Destin.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous down in there. So So you had... Yeah, that's great. Jim, you had a long career as a computer and network engineer for the U.S. Senate. That's right. So what yeah. made you decide to give up the desk job and travel and eventually even live overseas for a few years?
2: Uh, well, it's a long story and kind of sad in part of that. Um, back in uh, right around 2000, 2001, uh, my wife of then about 20-some years was diagnosed with breast cancer. And as her condition worsened, uh, the help desk in the Senate started letting me work more and more from home uh, so that I could be, you know, available. Uh, so as I made that transition to remote working, um, I just became used to that kind of, of work and, you know, developed some trust with with the company for doing that. Now, of course, people are seeing that there's a huge benefit uh, to being able to work remotely. Uh, but at sure. the time, it was kind of new. Uh, and. Uh, Actually, with her passing, I pretty much assumed I was going to be alone for the rest of my life. But, you know, much to my surprise, found myself in a relationship uh, with someone who also was very interested in travel. Uh, She was a realtor but about to retire. So we both found ourselves able to do some travel while I still worked remotely. Uh, So that was a way of kind of dipping our toe uh, in the water. Uh, So that got us started with some locations around the U.S., And uh, in the Caribbean, Uh, we actually went to Italy uh, for three weeks also. And (laughs) I tried to work remotely from Italy, but it's it's difficult in the uh, Internet cafes because everyone's watching, you know, football games. And every once in a while, there's this huge roar and screaming, and it's it's difficult to explain to the customer why that's happening. (laughs) Uh, But uh, from then, that kind of led us to, well, how about maybe we should live, try living in another country. And and just things really started snowballing from there.
1: Oh, that's crazy! That's 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 pretty awesome. Um, I've been to a I've been to Italy, and I'm going to actually get to that here in a bit. Um, mm-hmm. What What do you think are your favorite places you've traveled to?
2: You know, that's that's a really tough question, and people ask me that all the time. So you think I'd be better prepared for it? Uh, but you know, the problem is we've really enjoyed every place that we've been. Um, you know, Buenos Aires, for example. Uh, we only managed to spend a weekend there, but we'd love to go back and, and be there for at least a month. And there are other places in Argentina uh, that we'd like to explore. Um, I think what's, what's happened for us is that we were started to cultivate this uh, attitude that wherever we are now is our favorite destination. You know, uh, every, every place has its own special attraction, and it's really difficult. Uh, you're comparing apples and oranges really when you look at, uh, a lot of the places around the world. I mean, how do you compare a modern city like Buenos Aires to hiking the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu? You know, it's two, two entirely different things. It's really difficult to entirely. Well, I love
1: what you said there about your favorite places where you are, wherever you are at the time. I had a music mentor of mine. Uh, I used to sing professionally mm-hmm. and was a music major in college. That's how I met my wife mm-hmm. and we sang together in a group. And whenever mm-hmm. he was asked what is your favorite piece of music, your favorite choral piece? <laughs> and he would say, whatever we're doing at the, time, at the moment. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of wisdom in that to embrace whatever you're doing with passion. And as you say, it's hard to compare all these things. I do want to ask you this, whenever I go anywhere, especially in the mm-hmm. United States, but really anywhere, when I fly back into Knoxville, Tennessee or drive back into Knoxville, Tennessee, I'm blown away at the beauty in the valley mm-hmm. here with the mountains, and, and it's so green. And we have so many different kinds of vegetation, which, of course, can be bad for allergies. But in its own way, I feel like East Tennessee is as pretty as anywhere. What, what would you say about that comment? Yes, we kind of
2: ended up in East Tennessee uh, almost by accident. Uh, after living in Ecuador for six years, we had decided to try what's called a roving retirement lifestyle, Uh, you go and live two to three months at a time in different countries and, you know, just keep moving around. Uh, However, we have nine grandchildren uh, and four kids. So we also wanted to come back to the states from time to time. So we started looking at East Tennessee, uh, partly because, of course, uh, the no state income tax. Uh, And then also because of that mild climate. Uh, we're also very fond of the outdoors, so uh, that easy access to the Smoky Mountains uh, was, was very attractive. And once we came out and actually saw Knoxville, uh, we just fell in love with the whole area. Uh, this really is, uh, all the places we've been in the U.S., this is really one of the most beautiful places that we've ever been. I mean, you, you've got the river, you've got the mountains. Uh, you, you have downtown Knoxville, which has, you know, the Tennessee Theater, and uh, we've seen Bonnie Raitt and. Uh, Bonnie Rae concert since we've been uh, here in Knoxville. We've seen musicals. Uh, we've seen, you know, comedians that you would normally see on television. So we really enjoyed uh, being, being stuck here in Knoxville. Now, our, our plan was we were going to come here, stay a few months, and then start traveling. And then, of course, COVID shut everything down. Um, but it's a beautiful place to be.
1: It really is. And, and the culture here. You know, it's got a small-town feel, but yet we've got a lot going on the culture. We've got the Knoxville Symphony, which is a top-grade symphony. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, all the things going over uh, that are driven through UT. We've got sporting events. We've just got so many great things. Tell you what, uh, Jim, we're going to get to our first break, and we come back. I want to talk about some of the places you have been to that stand out, And I want to ask you some specific questions. South America, the Galapagos Galapagos Islands. And I kind of want to get into some of that kind of fun stuff of what makes Mm -hmm. those places unique. So please stay with us as we visit with Jim Santos. This is More Living with Jim Brogan. We're talking about bucket list vacations and living abroad. Stay with us here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
0: Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan.
1: Thanks for tuning in to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. I think a lot of uh, a big part of More Living is being able to travel and experience different parts of the United States and also different parts of the world and today we're visiting with Jim Santos who is an author and a traveler he lived several seas overseas several years overseas and we're talking about bucket list vacations and other cool things about traveling and even living abroad and uh, Jim I want to ask you you know I know you meant we talked about the Emerald coast in Florida earlier because I asked you about it because it's one of my and, and my family's favorite place to go for a beach trip. Mm. But there may be another, like, of places you have not been, is there one place that you haven't been that stands out that you want to be sure, or, or, or at, le- at least you're hoping to be able to go?
2: Ooh, it's tough to narrow down to one place. Um, I tell you, after, uh, during the pandemic, doing all the um, streaming of shows on TV and binge watching, we have watched a lot of British uh, TV. So now we really want to go to the British Isles. Uh, so I think that's definitely near the top of our list right now to go see, uh, you know, Wales and Scotland and, and Ireland. Um, also, Spain and Portugal uh, seem very interesting to me. We'd love to get out there. Uh, we feel like you know we spent a fair amount of time in South America, seeing a lot of stuff there. So looking to branch out a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh, you I'll know, Ireland is. Yeah, Ireland is well. Croatia, holy cow! Ireland is on my bucket list. I have a strong heritage Mm -hmm. in Ireland. My grandfather was born in Ireland, in his family, and they came across. They came over to the United States. I think he was seven, right around 1900. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's and then my of course Brogan. Brogan is an Irish name. So my grandfather, my dad's, my other grandfather, my dad's father was also full Irish. So I have a very strong heritage and really Mm -hmm. want to enjoy those you know, going there. It's definitely on my bucket list.
2: Now, yes, my wife and so, I just uh, did a DNA test and found that most of our relatives are from that area also. Uh, so,
1: oh, well, then that would yeah. pro- that probably made it rise up to your list of places you haven't been that you want to go, I would imagine.
2: Right, <laughs> right. That's another good reason. Right.
1: Yeah. So you spent. You mentioned you spent a lot of time in South America and you've mm-hmm. been to the exotic Gal- Galapagos Islands. It's hard to say. Right. But is it better to travel on your own or go through a tour company for international travel? You know, for somebody that's not done a lot of travel, or even if they have done some, what do you think Mm -hmm. is the best way to do that? Or does it depend on your experience?
2: It it really depends more on the person and your comfort level rather than your experience. Uh, For example, I mentioned Italy. Uh, The reason uh, my wife Rita and I first went to Italy was one of her brothers was talking about booking a tour, and he was listing. It was one of these, you know, 15 places in 12 days uh, for an ungodly
1: amount of money, and we looked at it. See, and 15. Thought, can, you know, I bet we I'm could sorry, Jim. Cheaper. I want to. I'm sorry to stop you there, but see, 15 places in 12 days doesn't sound appealing to me. Like if no, I'm going to go like somewhere, or whenever I do go somewhere, I want to be able to spend enough time, at least a little bit of time there, to soak in the culture. Right, right. And and that's kind of where where we are at now. We, we
2: enjoy most going someplace and discovering it on our own. And we have uh, much more of a comfort level now than when we started out. Uh, but I, I think people are kind of conditioned to, to think that it's very dangerous to go to other countries. And that really has not been our experience uh, in any place we've gone. We, we found more that people in other countries are interested in the same thing you are. They, they're interested in their families uh, and their jobs and uh, they love their cultures. And if you're friendly to them and you appreciate their culture, uh, especially if you make an attempt, no matter how badly to speak in their language, uh, we've just found people to be very welcoming and, and very helpful in other countries. You know, it hasn't mean we haven't had weird things happen, but, <laughs> uh, but we feel like we see not only see more of the country, but we experience more of the country. Uh, we're eating in the places where the locals eat, and you know we're going to going to see some of the tourist sites, yes. But we're going there and, and discovering them on our own, not having somebody point out to us what they think we should know about
1: it. So let's talk about the Galapagos Islands. I mean, how mm-hmm. spectacular is that? I mean, can you give us – I guess there's no way you can really explain unless you experience it. But can you give us just a little brush of a picture of what that's like?
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I first um, – well, I, I wrote a book for international living. It was basically a, a travel guide for Ecuador, you know, an itinerary. It's kind of like a book report uh, as far as writing goes. Uh, but the first book I actually tried to write myself was about our trip to the Galapagos Islands, and it was called On Your Own and on a Budget. Uh, incredibly poorly timed publication because it came out literally within two days of them shutting down the Galapagos Islands to tourists uh, because of COVID. Oh, gracious. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But it's really an incredible place. Um, The the wildlife there is completely unafraid of people. So when you go walking down uh, the street along the water, you literally are stepping over uh, iguanas and seals Um, we have pictures of them laying on park benches and at bus stops. Uh, It's really not like you have to get a tour to go out and see the animals because the animals are all over the place. You know, we we saw a blue-footed booby while we were eating lunch when we first arrived at the islands. Um, And it's really easy uh, if you start taking hikes on some of the trails around uh, the islands. You don't have to go very far at all before you get that sense of what it must have been like uh, when Darwin and and the, um, those ships first arrived there. Uh, very primitive landscape. It's um, surprisingly sparse. You know, you, you expect with all these animals there that it would be uh, just a really lush environment, but it's not. Um, it's actually a fairly uh, uh, forbidding place. It's There's a lot of drought in some of the areas. Uh, not a lot of variety in the vegetation. So the the... A variation of the animals is more because it's such a, a harsh environment rather than it's a lush environment
1: you know i wouldn't have expected that i would have expected it would be lush and yeah, maybe we're, that's because really that. yeah well, hey have you been to hawaii
2: yes i have several times
1: which islands have you been to
2: uh, i've been to the big island and uh to Kauai and also to oahu
1: so i've been to the big island and i've been to maui Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, Big Island is one of my very favorite places I've been. And I've only been yes, one time, and definitely. I really want to go back. It's it's amazing because, you know, we have 15 climate zones in the entire world, from desert to mountains and everything, <laughs> and rainforest and everything in between. And on that right. one island, we have 10 climate zones on one island. It's unbelievable. But the reason yes. I thought of the Big Island when you were talking about that is... We had never been, and I think it was 2010, 11 years mm-hmm. ago. I, I think that's right. And we were going to a conference, actually, we being my wife and I. And we were on the airplane flying in to Kona. And yeah. this guy on the airplane, <laughs> I'm glad he prepared me. And he said, well you're landing in, he said you're going to feel in like hell." Right. He said, you, <laughs> "I just want you to be aware you're going to feel like you're landing on Mars." because of all the lava rock it's just so barren and sparse and I wasn't prepared for that and I was actually glad he told me or I'd have been like holy cow what is this so um and actually one of my Jim one of my very favorite places I've ever been it it, when you ask me my top three or four things that stick out in my mind as places I've been one of the mm-hmm. ones that jumps jumps to the very top is the north coast of the Big Island. We, we, we did, yep. my wife and I rented a Jeep, and we took the top mm-hmm. down, and then we regretted that because then in part of the drive, it got cold. But we, yeah. we took the top off, and we we drove up to the north side of the island, and we went all the way over and then did a volcano tour there near, near uh, was it Hilo, I guess? And mm-hmm. we were... On the north coast, we went down into this little area that was where that, there, was, there used to be a schoolhouse down there that got wiped out by a tsunami in the 1940s. And mm-hmm. the whole village got knocked out, and they ended up moving the village up to the top of the cliffs. And there's really not a beach there. It's just all this rock. But you could go to, but we drove down there right onto the ocean level. And I will just never forget it, as long as I'm alive, standing there and looking at those waves crashing into the rocks and looking at these huge cliffs up to the right, almost like you see in the movies. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most spectacular places I've ever been.
2: Yeah, did you hike through the lava tubes?
1: We did not. Our, our We had one day that was completely free on this con- mm-hmm. at this conference, and so... Um, we ended up doing a helicopter tour of the volcano, so we didn't. We weren't able to spend a lot of time. Oh, and it, uh, it
2: was a working visit, right? Pardon me. It was a working visit rather than a vacation.
1: Well, it was kind of it. It was it was a combination of working and pleasure, but there was enough work there that we weren't able to really get out and spend. You know, we weren't able to spend two days. You know, doing the volcano or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that place is just so unique; it really stands out to me. Have you been up to the we north coast of the North Island?
2: Yes, we were all over the, the Big Island. Actually, uh, I think we pretty much circled uh, the Big Island. I uh, went to the tried to get up to the observatory, but by the time we got there, the sun was almost setting, and you had to wait a while to acclimate to the uh, altitude. And then they were only allowing jeeps to go up from that point because there was snow. Okay. Well, and here's so, an interesting you know,
1: we, trivia question, Jim. Mm-hmm. From base to summit, what is the highest? What is the tallest mountain in the world, from base to summit? Not elevation, but from base to summit.
2: Um, actually, the in Ecuador is Chimborazo. Uh, they they Chimborazo is the uh, tallest, as far the top is farthest from the center of the Earth.
1: <laughs> so farthest from the center of the Earth. To, because my understanding right. is the mountain there in the Big Island, where they have the observatory, is the tallest from base to summit because the base is like... Yeah,
2: yeah Monokia.
1: Right. Yeah. That, at least that was my understanding when I went.
2: And, and what's amazing is you can you can drive there. I mean, we, we were at the beach in bathing suits, getting a car, and an hour and a half later you're at 15,000 feet and having trouble breathing and putting on different layers and you could keep going. You can drive all the way up to the top there. So yeah, it's just an amazing place we that's actually, per- that
1: Hawaii is one per- of the
2: places we actually considered moving to.
1: Oh yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, but of course, when when people are listening, saying, "Well, Mount Everest is the tallest mountain." Well, the base of the summit, the base of the mountain at Everest is seventeen is over seventeen thousand feet. The base at right. at the mountain of in in the Big Islands were well, like below sea level, right? Right. It's pretty. Yeah, amazing. with Chimborazo,
2: that's their their thing because the um, the Earth swells a bit at the equator because of the rotation. So when you're at the equator at sea level, you're actually farther from the center of the Earth than. Uh, say we are in Tennessee. So that's why they say Chimborazo is the, the tallest mountain if measured from the center of the earth. So I guess there's always a gimmick. There's, uh...
1: <laughs> I guess so, that's right. I'll tell you what, tourists, we're visiting yeah. we're visiting with Jim Santos and talking about bucket list vacations and living abroad. When we come back, I want to talk about how you prepare for travel. You know, how do you pick a spot? How do you prepare for the places you're going to visit? How do you even pack? And then what about the challenges of COVID-19? So please stay. We'll also have our dollars and cents segment where I'm going to talk about the danger of using the word bonds and fixed income synonymously. So don't go away. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
0: Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement, get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this
1: Saturday to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, where we come to you every Saturday, both at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m., you can also check out our podcasts, where you can get all of our latest shows at broganfinancial.com. Click on Radio. Uh, we're visiting with Jim Santos and Jim Santos, who's an author, traveler. He's lived abroad for several years, and uh, we're going to get into a little bit more of how you prepare for travel to maximize your experience. Before we get back to Jim, however, it is time for dollars and cents. <laughs>
0: want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement for all the years of your retirement that's the primary goal of more living with jim brogan and our dollars and cents segment where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement and now here's jim with this week's dollars and cents tip
1: is it dangerous to use the word bonds and fixed income interchangeably or synonymously that's our topic this week for dollars and cents you know I can't tell you how often I have people come into my office and they show these they show me their statements and their bond funds their bond portfolio is called and labeled fixed income and that creates a lot of challenges and a lot of problems. So let's talk about first the difference in an individual bond and a mutual fund that buys bonds. You know, if I have a bond with Coca-Cola that matures in five years, let's say I've got $10,000 worth, 10 bonds. Then what that means is in five years, when my bonds mature, Coca-Cola is going to guarantee me Ten thousand dollars. They're going to give me my principal back. So what I'm basically doing is I'm loaning money to Coca-Cola, and they're going to pay me interest every year. Usually every six months they're going to pay me a dividend, and then at the in five years, let's say it's going to mature in five years, they're going to pay me my principal back. Now you may have heard that bonds and interest bond values and interest rates move in an opposite direction, and it's very important to understand in this world we live in today. Because think about that. What that means is if interest rates go down, bond values go up. But if interest rates go up, bond values go down. So here's what that means. If I own a bond, if I own $10,000, 10 bonds in Coca-Cola that mature in five years, if interest rates go up today, if they go up over the next year, The value of my bonds on paper, of my Coca-Cola bonds, is going to go down. However, when it matures, it's going to be worth $10,000. So as we get closer to maturity, those bonds are going to come back up. And at maturity in five years, they're going to be worth $10,000. It is guaranteed by Coca-Cola. Now, any time you look at guarantees, you've got to look at who's backing the guarantee, there's no insurance for something like a corporate bond with Coca-Cola, but I think it's safe to say Coca-Cola will probably be a lot around a lot longer than I will be. So as long as they can meet that obligation, my money is protected. So I, I would call that a safe money investment. I have protected principle. Now, by contrast, a bond mutual fund buys bonds like Coca-Cola, The problem is that bond mutual funds don't hold typically bonds until maturity. They are constantly buying and selling bonds. So what that means is if interest rates go up and my bond values go down, they're constantly buying and selling the bonds. So I have no guarantee or assurance that that principal value will ever come back. And that's especially important to understand in today's world because many people, many financial companies, when they put on their statement fixed income, they put on there, they include bond funds, traditional U.S. bond funds. And usually the duration of those bonds is usually five or six years. The problem is there's a, a, a pretty decent interest rate risk to the bonds. And it is not a safe investment. The Coca-Cola bond, I would say, is a safe investment because I have guaranteed principal in five years. But the bond mutual fund is not safe because there's no assurance of principal guarantee in the future. So the challenge in today's world is interest rates are very slow or very low, excuse me. And the the value of bonds in a portfolio is they help hedge risk. You know, when, peop- when, when people are concerned about the stock market, when the stock market's volatile or going sharply down, people are rushing to the safety of bonds. So in the short term, bond funds help add a little bit of stability to your portfolio. The problem is, while that helps in the short term and the long term, in today's world of historically low interest rates, I think that's going to be a disaster to be quite frank. I mean, think about it. Either interest rates will stay, there's only one of two things that can happen. They either stay really low or interest rates go up, in which case bonds do even worse. And if interest rates stay low, bonds aren't paying much. So using traditional bond mutual funds to hedge risk or even for income could be very dangerous in this world that we live in today. So instead, you should hedge risk differently for the next 20 years than what's been done for the last 20 years. And you have to be very careful with that. How do you hedge risk? You have the risk of the stock market. You have a whole bunch of stuff in your portfolio that if one thing zigs, another zags. So if one thing like stock markets, stocks or stock mutual funds or index funds are way down, hopefully... Everything's not down because you've got things that zig and zag. Now, bonds do that in the short term, but in the long term, we're we're, you know what, it's not probably. We're on the front edge of an historic bear market in bonds, in traditional U.S. bond funds. Now, it may be an historic bear market, depending on where interest rates go in the future and where inflation goes. And I know a lot of you are concerned about inflation. But instead, you should be hedging risk with more diversification. That 60-40 or 70-30 mix of stocks and bonds or stock and bond funds is probably not going to be very effective in the future because of the drag of the performance of the bond funds. So instead, I think you need more diversification. Things like commodities, energy, natural resources, uh, non-traditional bonds, bonds that have adjustable interest rates. Kind of like the difference in an adjustable rate mortgage and a fixed rate mortgage. So if interest rates go up, the bonds charge more interest automatically and so they can increase in value as interest rates go up instead of being stuck and losing money when interest rates go up. So in today's world, you need a, in my opinion, you need a completely different approach to diversification and income in today's world.
0: That's our dollars and cents segment for this week. You can find this week's dollars and cents segment and others by visiting broganfinancial.com.
1: Do please check us out at broganfinancial.com. We've got a lot of great resources if you click on the resource tab. I'll tell you what, we've got a we've got a guide, tax planning for the new age. I know many of you are concerned about the future of our income tax brackets and our tax system in the United States. I talk about those issues and many more in that tax guide. I've got many other guides. You can also sign up for our our e-newsletter that goes out every week. And it provides links to other content I've provided on the radio show, on Dollars and Cents, my Retirement Minute segment that runs every week on this station on WOKI and many, many other things, uh, blogs and video blogs. We're visiting today with Jim Santos and talking about traveling. He's an author. He's authored several books. I'm going to get into his books here in our last segment. But I do want to ask you quickly, uh, Jim, when you're choosing a travel destination and preparing for that, How can you pack appropriately? What's the balance between being careful you don't overpack with making sure you have everything you need? Mm -hmm. Well,
2: first of all, I need to point out that the Internet has really revolutionized travel planning. Uh, Being able to log on to sites and find out what's the weather like in these countries that you're going to visit, what's the average weather, um, and uh, all of the information that's available in advance was also what was very difficult to find before, is a trip to the library, basically. Uh, as far as packing, once you know the time of kind of climate uh, that you're looking at, uh, it's definitely a case of less is more. Uh, we found that the best thing to do is to pack layers. Uh, you want something that's not going to wrinkle very, very much. Uh, wearing some kind of wicking undershirt is also very helpful. Uh, but you want to be able to Maybe carry a small backpack with you with some changes of clothes and some rain gear or something like that, and being able to change as, as the weather changes. Uh, you have to remember that, especially with international travel, you may be in smaller cars than you used to in the U.S. Uh, you may take a small plane someplace where the size of your luggage is really going to make a difference. A lot of times the hotels in these places do not have elevators unless it has more than, like, you know, seven or ten floors. Uh, so you'll really appreciate not having a lot of luggage uh, to lug around as as you're traveling.
1: Yeah, you know it's funny. I you I mentioned earlier, Jim, in the show that um, I used to sing professionally with my wife, and we would that's how we met, mm-hmm. and we actually traveled. To, at most of my travel, really, up until the last ten years, was was really through that group back when I was in my twenties. Mm-hmm. And the director, it was kind of funny the director of the group, there were sixteen of us and we did a variety of music, but it was a choral group. And he would always tell us, you know, hey, you can bring whatever you're allowed to bring based on the airlines, but whatever you bring, you're carrying it. Right. And I, and my wife and I learned a lot about traveling with that. Now we were in our early twenties, so I guess people, you know, today should understand that if they're in their fifties or sixties, right?
2: Well remember you you also may find things there that you want to bring home. So you have to leave a little room in your baggage for the return trip. Um, By the way, mentioning baggage uh, with overseas travel, it's a good idea to make copies of the photo page of your passport and put one in in every bag. Uh, Also, maybe take a picture and store it on your phone or scan it and keep it on your phone. Um, If you have that information in your bag, then if you lose your bag or have trouble at the airport, it's a lot easier to identify it. It's hard for some to That's their a, that, is the passport, that is great advice.
1: That is great yeah. advice. My wife and I have done that since we got married. Yeah. We've always had Beautiful. copies in our bags and, and on our person, in our, and today that would be pictures on our cell phone. Uh, tell you what, we're going to get to our last break. We're running a little bit over, but when we get back, I want to talk about Jim's books about Galapagos Islands, the Inca Trail, Peru, and his latest book, so please stay with us cuz you won't want to miss this about these areas in south in, in you know south of the equator. So stay with us. We're visiting with Jim Santos. This is more living with Jim Brogan on more on uh, News Talk at 987 WOKI. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan.
1: Thanks for tuning in. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're visiting with Jim Santos. We're talking about bucket list vacations. Jim, we're going to have to be kind of quick in this segment. I've been running a little bit over, but... First off, I do want to ask you, you know, language barriers really intimidate people and can certainly mm-hmm. be an issue when you're headed somewhere that doesn't speak English. Should we be right. brushing up or preparing, you know, is Spanish the easiest language to be universally? I mean, how should we prepare for the language barriers?
2: Yeah, that was, uh, I, I've given a lot of uh, talks at conferences for people who are considering expat life and that's the number one thing that people are concerned about is, am I going to have to learn a new language? And uh, I took French in high school, uh, learned a little bit of Italian before we traveled to Italy, and then picked up a fair amount of Spanish uh, uh, from living there for six years. Uh, I'd have to say Spanish is fairly easy to learn. It's, you'll, you'll find most languages are much less complicated than English. Uh, the rules for pronunciation are, are more uh, formal. And there's, there are uh, fewer exceptions. Uh, so even if you can't understand it, it's easy to read something and, and pronounce it. So if you're using a translator or something, you can still make yourself uh, pretty well known. Uh, personally, I feel like it's a great idea to, to try to learn even a little bit of another language. If you can just learn what are, what are you know, the kindergarten words, please, and thank you, and where's the bathroom, you know, you're welcome. Uh, some basic numbers and colors, even if you just know that much, you'd be surprised how, how, how much it lubricates things uh, in, in dealing with people in other countries.
1: That's good advice. Hey, you've offered, Jim, you've authored six travel books, including guides on Buenos Aires, the Inca trail mm-hmm. the Galapagos islands and Peru. Now your latest mm-hmm. is living abroad, challenging the myths of expat life. Now, we've only right. got about a minute or so left here, Jim, but what are the highlights you could exp- you could tell us about your book? And how well, can we get your book and find out more about your blogging? How can we follow Jim Santos?
2: Okay, well, important things first. It's jimsantosblog.com, pretty easy to remember. Uh, it's where you can find my blog, and there are links from there to the books. Uh, but they're all available on Amazon. If you go to amazon.com.
1: And that's Santos, right. S-A-N-T-O-S.
2: Right. Uh, Amazon.com slash author slash Jim Santos. All one word would get you there. But if I say JimSantos.blog we'll, or JimSantosblog.com will get you uh, where you need to go there. Uh, but th- the idea behind the Living Abroad book was you – know, I've written over 200 articles about expat life and travel overseas and retirement overseas. get a lot of email from readers, and at these conferences I've talked to a lot of people – and there are a lot of questions and misconceptions about expat life. So I wanted to, to take a look at those. So each chapter deals with a particular question or myth about expat life. And, you know, my, my point is I, I stayed early in the book. I'm not trying to convince people they should live overseas. In fact, a lot of people shouldn't try to live overseas. You know, it's not a how to or a why to, uh, it's just here is what. The truth is, is we've experienced it, and now you can make up your own mind uh, whether you think this is something you want to do.
1: So that's Jim Santos. That's Jim Santos. Sorry, Jim, we're out of time. Check us out. Check him out online. Thank you for tuning in to More Living. We're uh, right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a great weekend.